0: Our text for this morning is found in Second Corinthians chapter five, verses 17 through 21. Second Corinthians chapter five, 17 through 21. I'll read the text, and we'll get into it here. Therefore, if anyone is in Christ, he is a new creation. Therefore, we are ambassadors for Christ, God making his appeal through us. We implore you, on behalf of Christ, be reconciled to God. For our sake, he made him to be sin who knew no sin, so that in him we might become the righteousness of God. The grass withers, the flower fades, but the word of our God stands forever. This morning we have a standalone sermon. We finished our meta narrative series which was 10 weeks going through the, the overarching scope of redemptive history, real history, but specifically what God has done in the world for his people. And so this morning we got a, we got a few standalones coming up, but there's a this morning is what is the gospel? And a lot of this is based off of this tract. I won't do much promotion like this, but I didn't write this, so I'm not getting a kickback from it or anything like that. But there's, there's tracts out there on this table called just what is the gospel? And kind of the blueprint for this morning comes from this tract. And the only reason why I'm, I'm doing this is I want to equip us as a church to, to understand what the message that we have is. And so I'm trying to put some resources into your hands that can help you not only understand the gospel for yourself, but give you a framework within which to share the gospel and communicate the gospel to those around you, to fulfill the Great Commission, to be able to share the gospel. So there's these pamphlets, these little tracts, is what they call them. Um, these are used poorly all the time. I'm not a big tract guy. Like, don't go to the restaurant and like, leave this as the tip for your waiter. That's not, that's not what these are for. These are just simply, if you're in a conversation or something with somebody, they give you a blueprint. I don't know. Take it if you want. There also is a whole book by Greg Gilbert out on the book table called What is the Gospel? There were four copies. There's now one left. If you want one and that one's gone when you get to the table, I have my personal copy here. I'll share it with you if you'd like a, the copy of that. But what is the gospel? There are a lot of different ideas about what the gospel is. What is this good news that Christians have, we have uh, the therapeutic gospel, which is basically the good news that God wants you to feel good about yourself. And so the gospel is sometimes equated to, we want you to show up at church so we can kind of uh, powder, uh, powder you and, and make you feel good. You know, everything's okay, and it's a very therapeutic gospel. We're all about just making you comfortable, and God really exists just so that you can get what you want. That's kind of a therapeutic gospel. We have a, a prosperity gospel. We were talking this morning at, at social hour from 8 to 9 about TV preachers, which are big on the prosperity gospel, which is that God wants you to have an abundant supply of everything that you need so that you never have any lack or want, which is in total contradiction to every one of the apostles and everyone in the New Testament. So but there's that gospel that's out there. There's just, there are tons of different ideas about what we mean when we say the gospel. And so I wanted to take some time this morning to just categorize and clarify what we mean when we say the gospel. And in some ways, if you've been here for the narrative series, we've worked through what really is one understanding of, of what the gospel is. Who God is, who we are, what God has done in Christ, and, and how that all lays out for us personally. But we're going to kind of work through what the gospel means. Without unity around what the gospel means, the church has no real significant foundation as a Christian church. We need unity around something. Uh, Unity is extremely important. It's a catchphrase in kind of um, progressive religion to have this phrase called uh, unity, not uniformity. I don't know if you've heard that phrase or not, it's popular out there, this idea of unity, not uniformity. And the idea behind it is not a terrible one, and it's saying that there is to be unity, but we don't have to all be exactly the same. We don't have to all, uh, you know, when I talked about creation, I talked about the different theories that there are about how God created the world. And you don't have to have uniformity around those things. All of us, we're going to write some pamphlet out that says you must ascribe to this idea of how God created the world. So we don't, we don't have to have uniformity on those things, but in Christianity, there does have to be some uniformity on something or there is no unity. If we have no uniformity on the idea that God is creator or what is revealed in our scriptures as God is creator, if we have no uniformity around that, we have no unity really as Christians. There has to be some level of uniformity for any unity to exist. And so, that, that's a self-refuting argument, really, the idea that you can have unity without any uniformity. Because in order to ascribe to that saying, unity, not uniformity, gives you uniformity with everyone else who says, unity, not uniformity. And so, by prescribing or, or taking that slogan onto yourself you really have just denied the slogan in that you don't have uniformity. Well, you do. The, the reality is, anytime you gather as a people, there has to be unity and uniformity around something. Um, when I was a kid, my, my folks did card club. And and so and it was a very diverse gathering of people. We had all kinds of people. There wasn't uniformity on all these fronts. We all had exactly They all had the same exact kids and had the same likes and interests and voted the same. And all no, they didn't. There was all kinds of distinction in there. But there was uniformity on a few things. They all liked to play some uh, obscure card game called Pinochle. I don't. Does anyone know what Pinochle is? I I don't know. It's a really difficult, weird game. I don't. I never learned it because I didn't want to. But there is some uniformity on we're going to gather and play some weird card game. And there is uniformity on our kids are going to hide down in the basement and stay up and watch Saturday Night Live and, and leave us alone. And so there was, there is uniformity on some things so that there could be a general unity, right? When your family shows up and they they you know they bomb, they they, crowd, they flash mob your church, you know, they, they, they they show up and there's um there's not uniformity there. I mean, there's not, you don't look at them all and say, oh, oh, there's, they're, they're all exactly the same. Or when we gather at their, at their house for a reunion or whatever, it's not uniformity. But there has to be uniformity in some things in order for there to be any unity, in that we all have a connection with grandma, right? So there is uniformity on essentials. There, unity comes because there is uniformity on some essential elements. And Christianity is no different. In order for us to have unity, there must be uniformity, at least on some essential ideas. And so the question comes down what are those ideas that we have uniformity on? Is it just some churches gather and they have uniformity around the idea that we all want a place to gather and be together? And we're uniformed around the idea of we want to socially hang out together. That's fine. That's, that's, that's just another bar in town, basically. We want to gather together and be a social club. The Christian church gathers because it has uniformity on a few things. And so these standalones, I'm doing one this week on what is the gospel, and in a couple weeks we'll do another one on what's up with this book, and basically what is the scripture, what is the Bible. But this morning is what is the gospel. So in trying to help you communicate what the gospel is we're going to frame the gospel in four frames or or four categories four quadrants you could draw a, a cross and we're going to talk about four different quadrants for you help you understand what the gospel is and that will also hopefully help you communicate with someone else what is this gospel so we've got four quadrants and they run like this they are god man christ response is that complicated God, man, Christ, and response. And these are the four categories we're going to talk about to help us understand what is the true Christian gospel as revealed for us in Scripture. God, man, Christ, and response. So the first quadrant, God here. First, we must understand who God is to understand anything else. This is, this is why when we start in the meta narrative, we start with creation. God as the creator of it all. That this is not a cosmic accident. This is not some weird series of events that created this. That we are designed. We are created. We have, and because we are creation, we therefore have a creator who started all of this, who's outside of all of this. And because God started it all and is outside of it all, like we talked about, he has authority and he has autonomy. Because God made it, he gets to say, this is how it should be. This is what should go on. And he has autonomy. He, don't, we don't, he doesn't need anything from us. He made us. He created this. He does not sit in heaven and, and hope for us. We cannot hold God in, um, at, for ransom and say, unless you do this, then this. God does not need us He has autonomy. He is the creator of everything. He can do what he likes. And because he has done as he liked in creation, we owe him our complete worship and honor. Because God did create everything, everything you have, you owe to God. The oxygen you're now breathing, you owe. You did not make that. You did not create it. It's here because God has willed it so. The pew that you sit on, the reason why those atoms hold together so that you don't fall to the floor and then on through the floor to I don't know where, the reason why those hold together is because God created them. You owe Him the cushion that you're sitting on. And because of that, because God is over it all and has created it all, He is deserving of our worship and our honor. This, When we get this part wrong... We're doomed. When we lose the idea of a holy, righteous creator over it all, we're not going to get any of the rest of it right. There's, there's lots of different ideas about God, right? We have Grandpa God, which Greg Gilbert has a great idea or a great story about introducing you to Grandpa God, who, be quiet, you know? don't disturb him, he's sleepy, he's been around a long time, don't upset God. You know, he used to be real cranky, but he's kind of mellowed now, but you don't want to upset him. It's, it's Grandpa God, you know, he just... You know, he's, and, and when you leave, you know he knows you don't get it all right. But he's just glad you bothered to stop and say hello. You know, that's really. And you're here this morning because Grandpa God, you know, he's just glad you bothered to stop by. That, but all that stuff about wrath, all that stuff about judgment, all that stuff about righteousness, all that stuff, yeah, He's let that was his younger years. He's let all that go. Grandpa God's just glad to see you. That's one idea of God. It's not the right. It's not the one Scripture gives us. But it's one idea. We've got hippie God that, you know, he's just love. Love, 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 love at the expense of all of his other attributes. No justice, no, no idea of, of, um, of wrath at all. Just hippie love, love God. There's all sorts of ideas about God, but these are not the real God. Exodus chapter 34 gives us a description of God. Moses is asking to see God, and God passes by. This is Exodus. Chapter 34, um, verses 6 and 7. This is, what God's, this is how God's self-declaration about Himself. This is His self-declaration about Himself. That's kind of repeating the obvious. This is His self-declaration. It says, uh, The Lord passed before Him and proclaimed, The Lord, the Lord, a God merciful and gracious, slow to anger and abounding in steadfast love and faithfulness, keeping steadfast love for thousands, forgiving iniquity and transgression and sin, but who will by no means clear the guilty, visiting the iniquity of the fathers on the children and the children's children to the third and fourth generation. Lots of times people will quote that beginning part, and we leave off the last part because we don't like the way it sounds. God, He is gracious, Slow to anger, abounding in steadfast love and faithfulness, keeping steadfast love for thousands, forgiving iniquity, transgression and sin, but who will by no means clear the guilty. God is a good God. God is a loving God. God is a just God. God is a just God. And when we we lose that idea of a holy, righteous, omnipotent, outside of us, righteous, just God, we, we missed the whole mark. This is who God is. So the first category is understanding who God is in himself as a holy, righteous God. That's God, separate, of huge, bigger, worthy of our worship, worthy of our honor, worthy of our complete obedience because he has made us. And then we get to the next quadrant. That's God. Now we get to man. What's up with us? All right. If, if, if this is who God is, and He created us, and He's good, what is up with man? Why is man such a wreck? And you are. We all are. Man is a wreck. Why is the world the, mess, the messy place that it is? And, and if we could personalize it, not just why is the world the mess that it is, why am I the mess that I am? Why do I not do the things I know I should do? Why do I not, even apart from this revelation, why, what God says I should do, why, when this is the thing I want to do, Can I not even do what I want to do? Sometimes, anybody else have that problem? Like this is the thing I want to, kind of person I want to be. You're not claiming God told you to be like it. You're just like, this is the kind of person I want to be. I want to get up in the morning and work out. Anyone ever say that? And then how many people get up in the morning, the very thing you want to do? Why is it? You know, and that's that's kind of light on it. But honestly, that's a it's a symptomatic reality of a of a bigger problem. We have we we do not live up to even our own standard of what God has for us to be. Um, there's a meme that went around on Facebook. For those of you who don't know what a meme is, sorry, I use that word. Uh, it's just a picture that's on, on, the, on a screen that comes from the tubes of the internet. Okay, Don? <laughs> and that's a, and that, it's a picture. that Anyway, there's a meme. It shows up, and it's of a church sign. And it says, uh, Too hot to keep changing sign. Uh, Sin bad, Jesus good, details inside. Okay, and maybe you saw it if you're on Facebook, and maybe you shared it, and I'm not trying to pick on you if you did. I'm not your friend. I, I didn't. It's not from you that I saw it. Uh, but anyway, if that's out, that's out there, and I had a few comments on it, people that caught me when I was changing the sign, you know, and made, well, you just see this one. And what is, that's a meme. It's, it's a pun and whatever, it's, or it's not a pun, but it's just kind of silly. But is that really the truth of the gospel? And, and it's soft-pedaling the reality of man. It's soft-pedaling your problem. It's saying sin is bad. So, you know, some of the things you do are bad. Jesus is good. Come here about not doing all the things you shouldn't do. If that sign were accurate, this is what it would say. Man bad, Jesus good, details inside. We often think that the problem with us is just the things we do, not actually us. We think, ah, I messed some things up. I don't do all the things I should do. I make mistakes. I'm not perfect. And, and, and these things that I do are somehow separate from the reality of who I am. I'm not bad. I, I'm fine. I just mess up sometimes. That's not the Bible message. Bible message is not you mess up sometimes, but really you're a pretty good person. The Bible message is that you do things wrong things. You mess up because you as a person have trouble. You are fallen. You are dead in trespasses and sins and are unable to fulfill what God's requirement of you is. You are are depraved, is the word that we use in theology. Total depravity of man. It is not just that you do bad things. It is that at your core, you are fallen. We don't don't become sinners because we sin, which is often the way we think of it. I've done bad things, therefore I'm bad. No, the Bible message is that you do sinful things. You sin because you are, by nature, a sinner. You are at enmity with this God. God, this holy, righteous, perfect being. And man over here is at enmity, war, hatred between God because he is born dead and trespasses and sins. Ever since Adam and Eve fell, right? This is from our meta-narrative. The fall plunges mankind into trespasses and sins and now sits underneath the justice of God. That, if, that Exodus passage, who will by no means clear the guilty, that's this second quadrant of all of us, of man. Guilty. Guilty under a holy and righteous God. Second Corinthians... Uh, no, so we've got Romans 3. Yeah, this is just the best description of, of your state. Second, or Romans chapter 3... Uh, starting in, in the middle of verse ten, says, "No one is righteous. No, not one. No one understands. No one seeks for God. All have turned aside. Together, they have become worthless. No one does good. Not even one. Lots of no ones in that just in that passage. There, their throat is an open grave. They use their tongues to deceive. The venom of asps is under their lips. Their mouth is full of curses and bitterness. Their feet are swift to shed blood." In their paths are ruin and misery. In the way of peace they have not known. There is no fear of God before their eyes. Paul lays everyone out in the book of Romans. Book of Romans chapter 3 comes along. You get to the end of it. No one's on a high horse anymore. We're all laid low. God, holy and righteous. Man, sinner. And under the wrath and just justice of God. This is, these are the first two quadrants. Getting those is critical to then understand what happens when the good news of the gospel comes in. God, man, Christ. Hebrews 9.27 says that, uh, For is appointed for all men, once to die, and then comes the judgment. There is a judgment coming from God to man who is sinful. That's not the good news. The good news is down here in quadrant three. God, man, Christ. What has Christ done? All religions will tell you Christianity is, is so unique, and I, I, I try to stress this a lot if you hear me talk, and, and I show up at your Sunday school, a crash your Sunday school or something i 'll say this a lot. Christianity gets this rap like it 's all other religions of here 's all the things you've got to do to please God here 's the list of things, Colossians chapter three, we read it just this morning here 's all the things you've got to not do, here 's all the things you've got to do. To please God. And Christianity is not that message. It is not, here's all the things you need to do to get to God. Christianity is the message of, here's what Christ has done to rescue you. Here's what Christ has done. It is not a message of, what here's what you need to start doing. It is a message, it's a declaration. It is news of, here's what Christ has done to rescue you. Not, here's how you rescue yourself. Here's what Christ has done to rescue you. This is what our passage this morning was saying, 2 Corinthians 5, 17, 18, 19. In God, in Christ, God was reconciling the world to himself, not counting their trespasses against them. How does God not count the trespasses against his creation that has rebelled against them? You know how he doesn't count it against you? When he counts it against Christ in your place. In our, in our place, condemned He stood and sealed our pardon with His blood. This is what Christ does. Christ shows up to earth. He lives the righteous life we all should have lived, but didn't. He dies the death we all deserve as enemies of God on the cross. Sheds His blood unto death. Resurrects from the grave so that all who through repentance and faith trust in this work are now rescued. Rescued reconciled, justified, given right standing with God. 2 Corinthians 5.21 says, For our sake He made Him to be sin who knew no sin. Complicated way of saying, God made Jesus who knew no sin to be sin for us, so that in Him we could become the righteousness of God. This is what Christ has done. This is what makes this good news. Okay? Christianity yeah, we have we, we should be out doing good works. Absolutely. And I'm I'm all behind doing good works for your neighbor. Love God, love your neighbor as yourself. What we have best of all, better than a good deed is good news. And it is this is what Christ has done for you. So we've got the gospel is God, holy, righteous, perfect man broken, sinful, transgressing at enmity with God. We have The good news of what Christ has done. Coming to earth, living the life we should have lived, dying the death that we deserve. So that quadrant four, response. God, man, Christ, response. All the sermons here in Acts we could go through. We don't have time. Gospel of Mark. Go in the world, preach this good news. Beginning of the Gospel of Mark, Jesus shows up and begins to proclaim repentance and faith in the gospel. Repentance and faith in the gospel all these transgressions that are going on here in quadrant two with man, the response comes in, do you hate the fact that you transgress against a holy and righteous God? Do you hate the fact that you don't do what He wants you to do and you fail to do the things He wants you to do? Repentance. Repentance. Hating our sin. Hating our turning from our sin. Turning from our self-centeredness. Turning from our self-reliance. When it comes to response, We have to give up all these other forms of religion that say, here's how I'm going to impress God with my good deeds. Repentance is turning from your self-reliance and saying, it's not me. I can't do it. I have messed this up so far. I will not do any better. I'm not trusting myself. I am trusting in Christ. Turning from your self-centeredness, your self-reliance, and what is really your own self-worship and doing what? Believing. Trusting. Trusting. Trusting that what Christ has done is sufficient for me. Response. This is what we press with our neighbors. But I want to ask, you know, is this, where are we at with this response? Where does that leave us? Where does that leave your neighbor? Where does that leave your loved ones? In their state by themselves, they are at war with God and under his justice. They might think they need to do a bunch of good works to impress God. They might think they need to get their act together to make God happy. They might think it's too late. I can't, I can't please God now at this point in my life, so I'm not even going to bother. Just, and they're just going to free do what they want. Not understanding the message of the gospel is a good news. Here's what Christ has done for you. Repent. Believe the gospel. Trust in Christ. And be saved. Be reconciled. My application is just this. News. Matters. News matters. Um, well, uh, I've got a few of these examples. I don't have time. If you're a, a woman, you know, her husband is over in war, World War II, has no idea what's going on, hasn't gotten letters, sitting at home, wondering what's going on, waiting, waiting, and waiting. Finally, a letter comes. And what's in the letter, or someone shows up at her door, or whatever, what's in the letter is that your husband is okay. He's on his way home. He'll be here in two weeks. Now, what's the disposition of that woman? She's been waiting and waiting and upset and worried for for a long time now. And she gets news. Her husband's coming home. He's going to be here in two weeks. Has anything changed in her present reality? He's still not there. She still has bills to pay. She still has kids to take care of her. Nothing's changed. But because she's got this news in another way, everything's changed. Right? Everything has changed. News changes things. When you see and hear and believe this good news, it may not change a lot of things on the, on the surface, make your life better and blah, 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 and all those other things. People peddle. But in another way, it changes everything. Changes everything. Personally, uh, you know, when I was, Darla and I are so cute, it's disgusting. But when we were in high school, uh, I, I had long sat with my friends at... at uh, we'd go off to band events because I'm a band nerd. And we would sit around and we'd talk about the girls that we liked. And I would say, you know, I like Darla Green. They're, they're saying like Avril Lavigne and I don't know what superstars. I'd say Darla. I like Darla. So then what, I remember the day I, I, I was walking home or walking down the hall from, if you guys are familiar with high school, from, uh, from drafting. And Darla had just left the band room with her friend. And I thought, well, that's where she's not usually in the band room. And all of a sudden my buddies come out, Murph and, and Comer, they come out and they they say, Darren, you got come you got come back here into the practice room. We got something to tell you. And and it was just the news, Darla's okay if you like her, <laughs> basically. <laughs> and had anything changed? I hadn't asked her out yet. I hadn't you know none of this none of these things had gone on. But I got news. Does anyone resonate with that? You remember the first time that either you heard that someone was interested in you or someone that you liked liked you back? I mean, go back to junior high, high school, whatever. News changes things. News changes. News changes everything, and the gospel is the news that changes everything, changes everything. Not here's all the things you got to do. To it, she didn't come to me and say, "Well, darling, I want you to do this, this, that, and the other." And then she, it's it's. Listen, this is the news, and it, let me tell you, the gospel is not get all these things done. Get to work, people. It is Christ has worked for you. Christ has purchased your reconciliation, your redemption with, with, the, with your creator. And this good news, repentance and faith in this good news changes everything. Let's pray. Father, help us to see this gospel clearly that our joy would be full in who you are for us in Christ Jesus. We pray these things in your name. Amen.